Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am here with Ruth as ever. Hello, Ruth. How are you? Hiya. Doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much. We've had a, a flip reverse this week in that it's the middle of your day um, and I am tired. You're normally tired because it's the morning. I'm tired because it's half past ten. Um, so we've had a bit of a flip around this week. So if I get a bit dozy halfway through, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not bored of anything. It's uh, I'm just an old man. It's just late for me at, the, at this time. Um so we have a lot to talk about with you today. Um, we want to talk about the 26-man squad, uh, which is up for from 23 and kind of how that affects things at the Euros looking forward. Um, we want to talk about the Women's World Cup qualifiers draw and something that we're both involved in, the Women's uh, Wales Women Fan Trust. We want to do a quick club uh, roundup because we mentioned doing that a couple of weeks ago and didn't. And we're at the point of the season, I guess, now where we're the, the proverbial business end. Um, and, uh, and there's a few other things that I think are worth mentioning as we go along the way. Um, hat-tricks all round, for example, for, for Bale and Wilson. So there's lot, lots of us, lots of things, sorry, for us to look at. Um, we'll start, Ruth, with the announcement that squads for the Euro is going to be 26 players instead of 23. I feel that a bit selfish saying this, but I feel like to an extent this has maybe taken a bit of the fun out of it for people like us who tried to kind of guess and, and kind of stick the, uh, you know, stick players in and one out because ultimately I feel like there's not many now who are going to miss out to who we come to see as regulars, I guess. Yeah, I don't think any of the... The absolute mainstays will will miss out now. Um, I do think there's some interesting decisions still to make, though. If you consider the last squad was 31 before before we had some withdrawals and injuries, and obviously it looks like David Brooks is back in consideration after his recent games with with Bournemouth. Um, and, and of course, Tom Lockyer is probably out. So we, you you end up back at that. 31 figure so there's got to be some names coming off the list I, I imagine we'd go for three rather than four goalkeepers so there's probably four names that need to come out of that group that that were called up uh originally in march for for that uh, for that set of games and and I think that that will be interesting I've, I've come up with I've come up with the four I wouldn't take but I think it's, uh, it's that there are some decisions there. For example, I think I end up with Ravi Matondo on my not list. Um, so I, I, I still think there's some debate. There is definitely some debate. I think the things I'm interested in is more the... I, I suppose whether it's Giggs's decision or whether it's Page's decision is, is ultimately, I guess, what I think mm. the big question is in some aspects. Looking at someone like... Uh, Volks, for example, who obviously missed the last squad. Does he? Does this open the door a bit for him? If what we've said about him previously has been true, if it is now Page's decision, equally does Page send in home um, Tyler Roberts, Robin Batondo, and Hal Robson Carnu? Does this now not go in their favour so much because he's the man who's making the decisions after he sent them home? Um, so I, I do think you're right. There are some interesting ones there. I think the one I'm intrigued at is, well, I think there's about three or four I'm ultimately I'm intrigued. I agree with you. I think we'll only take three keepers. I think it's, there's no point taking four. Um, I think the ones that are, that kind of are on my mind would be Levitt, 
uh, Rabi, Tom Lawrence, and Hal. Those are my main four who I would be umming and ahhing on. I'm not sure who I'd put in or take out, but they would be the four I would say kind of on the cusp. And then also, my final one would be, is there, could there be a surprise inclusion? Someone like, and I'm not suggesting Christian Deutsch goes, I'm not opening that particular Pandora's box again. We've done that enough. But someone like that who kind of is a little bit left field perhaps and is someone who... Um, who might go, or whether it's someone like a Brennan Johnson or one of the younger players who've been involved in the 21s, who it might be worth taking just for for experience purposes as well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you presumably they've they had more or less sorted out their 23 in their minds, you know, give or take an injury here or a strange run of form there. They they've. I kind of get the feeling you'd have had your 23 fairly settled. Um, and then it's really, are you taking the additional three people because you are worried about an injury in a certain position? You know, you let's say for argument's sake, you want extra coverage for Ramsey very specifically, just as an example. And you're going to use, a, you know, you're going to use one of the extra players there. Or are you taking extra because you want to be able to tweak the formation perhaps a little bit more than you would have done with your 23 or are you taking someone for experience like you know you were just mentioning so i think i think there's like i mean we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of it today but i do think there's a even with the extra three i think there's still quite a lot you know maybe half a dozen players that are on the cusp for various reasons you know what what do they bring? What do they support? What might they do in the future? Who are they covering? How many play? How many positions can they play? You know, there's probably half a dozen players that are in that um, melee on the, on the edge of things. Yeah, I know what you mean. Melee is a is a very good word there. I think. Um, I think one thing you mentioned there is one big thing I want to touch on in this, which is the formation side of things. For example, if we are going to play three slash five at the back. It makes obviously makes sense to use the extra three players to maybe take one, possibly even two centre backs, because we need more centre backs. So does that give a look in for someone like James Chester who could come in out with out of the dark? Equally, if you're not going to play with a centre forward, like you said, do you take another Ramsey type cover player, another number ten who someone like a niche player, if you like, who you wouldn't normally have taken, on the basis that if you're not playing with a centre forward, you don't need to take an extra one anyway. So I do think the when the squad comes out, I think it will also tell us quite a lot about the the way that we're going to play. But equally, like you said, there's a lot that can happen between now and the end of the season. Um, you know, players can get injured. I mean, we're, I'm, I personally am worried about Joe Allen. Obviously, he's he's going to be someone who's right on the cusp of making it. Um, you know, even Ben Davis, I'm not sure what his injury situation is. So I think you're right. There is more to talk about than perhaps I thought about, but... I I also think that the 26 will tell us a lot about the squad, but perhaps also who kind of who had a big hand in choosing it as well. I would agree with that. Um, I, I'm not expecting any surprises. I'm not expecting to see James Chester in the, in the 26. Personally, I would advocate for his inclusion, but I'm not expecting to see it. I still think Giggs is going to have quite a, quite a say in what's going on here. Um, I, I know in the FAW statement, 
you know, it was very clear Page is taking us to the Euros. Uh, and in earlier statements, it's been more an obvious, um, you know, Page is stepping in for yeah, this set yeah. of internationals. The phrasing is slightly diff- has been slightly different around the Euros. So, you know, perhaps he is being given his head a bit more than 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 I'm assuming. Um, and I think as that becomes clearer, then then maybe there is scope for some of these players. I, I just don't think he'll be looking to rock the boat more than is necessary. And the tw- and having the 26 means you can kind of cover your bases. You're not going to pee off too many people. There's yeah. going to be some disappointed players, don't get me wrong. But you're kind of minimising that number. And much as I would like to see Will Vokes there, I would like to see James Chester in the mix i can't see it happening even if it's page that's making these decisions i think volks is the one that i think we that i would disagree with you on there i think if page is making the decision i think volks would go especially because of the joe allen situation whereas i think Mm -hmm. if allen can't go or there's a concern there levitt might go over him because of the, the the preference I guess that either 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 play either person has on on each particular player. Mm-hmm. So I do think there are some, like uh, Matt Smith, for example, was back in recently in the last games. Is he someone who now was kind of looking back up the pecking order ahead of Volks again? Because is that Page picking him? Is it Giggs picking him? I think there are still one or two players who are dependent on who's who's the man kind of making the decision i suppose so it will be kind of interesting to see how that how that pans out the the squad i think the deadline for the squad is the 1st of june so we're not a million miles away from that um i think the perceived wisdom is that the squad will be announced the week before that i think the may the 24th i think is the week before that so i think that's the perceived wisdom of when that will be announced and then those 26 will go into the two friendlies france and albania and then obviously onto the onto the tournament itself um looking at tournaments another perfect i think um there was the draw for the women's world cup uh, the qualifiers for that was made on Friday. Wales have been drawn with France as the first seed. Obviously, we are the second seed. Slovenia is the third seed. Greece is the fourth seed. Kazakhstan is the fifth seed. And Estonia from pot six. First off, Ruth, what's your thoughts? Um, probably wouldn't would have avoided France if we could but I think there were definitely worse options for the for the top seeded team to be paired with um but that you know they're a, a tough tough team uh ranked probably third in Europe at the minute uh you look at the players they've they have five of ten in the uh Women's Player of the Year award finalists, you know, of the of the term five were from that French team. So, you know, they've they've got plenty to offer. I, I think you've mentioned uh, in the, in the last part that you you felt they were, you know, perhaps on the on the downside of of their trajectory. So, I think we can, you know, perhaps we can hope to be hitting them in a little bit of a transition. Uh, for the other four, I was I was pretty happy actually. I think. Uh, we got someone in the sort of middle of the the third group, which was, uh, uh, you know, there was clearly there's clearly harder teams we could have had in the third group. And then as you go further down the list, it is a little 
kind of, uh, you know, it's six or one half dozen of the other in, in some respects. I would rather have avoided the journey to Kazakhstan, but the, the other, the geography of the rest of it is not so bad. So um, over, overall, I think that was a pretty pleasing draw. Yeah, I mean, Kazakhstan was the one I wanted to avoid from that hot just because of the travelling. But, like, you know, we spoke to Laura McAllister on uh, on a separate thing recently, and she said that at least we have the kind of intel on them, which is true. Yeah. Um, so, that, I mean, there is that kind of upside to that. Slovenia and Greece, you know, decent sides, not earth-shattering. I think they both performed as you'd expect in their previous qualifiers um, for the Euros. So, you know, I, I think if we are looking to qualify for a tournament, those are the to- sort of teams we have to put to bed. I wanted to avoid the Czechs in pot three, which we did. Um, I wanted to avoid Turkey and Malta in some of the... in. I think they were in pot four and five because they, they had, like, quite improved uh, runs in the Euros. And equally, um, as Laura mentioned... The teams are having a lot of money pumped into them, especially in Turkey, to try and get them um, up the rankings a little bit. So the fact that we've managed to avoid teams, especially Turkey being one of them there, I think that that was a bonus. I don't know if you've seen the the dates for the fixtures that have come out today, but uh, Greece away is on the 2nd of September, which is the last Friday before I go back to school. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think I might be having a little... Uh, end of summer holidays jaunt there to uh, to go to that um but yeah i think there's a lot of pleasing easy relatively easy trips i think for people who were who are going to try to encourage to go to away games france obviously slovenia i think nice and both at nice times of the year as well so i think there's definitely some positives there and like i you know obviously what i said stands about the the french team when i was looking through their squad and kind of doing a bit of digging there's about i think in their last squad i think there were 10 players or so with fewer than 10 caps in single digit caps so i do think whilst they do have some great players like wendy renard and um like you say a core of team a core of players sorry who play for leon and paris saint-germain in the french league which is obviously very strong in the women's game i think there is a glimmer of a glimmer of hope whereas i feel like if we were played in england germany netherlands or spain i think it becomes a very very different kettle of fish at that point i think the main advantage might be if we can just i think you brought this up again in the last pod like not get thrashed in those first against second and and then hence help our placing in for the playoffs, I think there are going to be some teams that finish second in their group that have the potential to get trounced by the. I know what you mean. The first team, if yeah. they if they're playing in Netherlands, so um, so maybe you know maybe it's a good kind of compromise in that regard. But yeah, overall, I think it's it's a pretty positive draw. Um, before we we move on to one other thing, um, I really want to. Uh, congratulate and I'm sure Ruth will be the same uh, congratulate Sophie Ingle who has got through to the Champions League final with Chelsea so congratulations to her fantastic I don't know if you've seen the manager's uh, post-match comments um, I don't know if you've seen that Ruth but um, I've, I've I heard them actually rather rather than seen them but a cracking game it was the last 10 to 15 minutes of that game Dave if there's people that haven't watched Chelsea's um, win over over 
buy-in. If you can find some highlights and just even just watch the last 15 minutes, it, it's as tense as an exciting a game as you could wish for. Yeah, I think from what I again from what I've seen of it, it was very tense. Is definitely the word, and I think Emma Hayes's reaction um, to to things at the the full time whistle were, were fantastic. Kind of lots of fist pumping and walking around, and uh, her being interviewed live on TV saying, "I'm so fucking proud of these players." I'm just like, <laughs> yes, so bags of time for stuff like that. Um, so congratulations to Sophie. Congratulations to everyone involved there. Um, there's one more thing I just wanted to mention on the women's game. Ruth and I and a few other people as well who have been involved in women's football from uh, Hales from Fee Wales um, to Penny uh, Miles who runs the Urwal Gorcha Minewad and again Megan Fringer as well from Wales football fans as, as well as others hopefully in the future have tried to kind of put together a new initiative to boost and support the women's game. I was very excited to be on um, BBC Radio Wales with Cole Rob the other night. I'm catching up with Ruth in terms of uh, how many times uh, we've been on BBC Wales together. So, you know, I, I'm not quite as famous as you yet, Ruth, but I think, I think you know, I'm catching you up. Um, but yeah, just to be part of that. So we've started a group called the Wales Women Fan Trust. And the idea is that we want as many people to sign up and be members as possible. If you sign up to be a member, you don't have to do anything. Um, you don't have to kind of campaign for anything or be an activist. You just need to give your opinion. That's what we want to be able to do is take Wales fans' opinions and take them to the FAW and say, this is what our fans want for the women's game. What can we do to make it happen? Um, so the more people signed up, I think the bigger weight it has behind it. We had a very promising launch, I think, with speaking to Laura McAllister and Tash Harding briefly, myself and Megan, whilst the draw was going on. I think it's something I am super excited about. We've spoken to people at the FAW who seem uh, interested in our ideas and, and kind of want to take this forward as well. So it's a, it's a really positive thing. So I'll let you have your say, Ruth, <laughs> Well, because I'm waffling as always. But um, if people wanted to go to Twitter and check out at Trust Wales, which is our uh, Twitter handle, and go to waleswomenfantrust.wordpress.com and see what we've written Um that'd be great so please do that I, I'll, I'll let Ruth speak and then I'll just mention our five aims very very quickly and, and, and then we'll move on but thank you for your involvement Ruth I think it's a really um, exciting idea I think I think it's a great idea and um, you know as Gwen and Harry said on the on the radio at the weekend you know she's it's wonderful to see people wanting to get involved and wanting to drive forward the women's the women's game and, and we're, we're talking about like a a, a group here that's going to be focused on connecting the the fans with the powers that be with the team we're not we're not looking to kind of reinvent the wheel here or radically <laughs> radically change with its football so, you know the FAW doing a wonderful job with that we just want to make life easier really for fans to find information to have good communication with the powers that be to simple things like if you're going away on an, if you want to go to an away trip, can you get hold of the information that you need to to, to get that running smoothly? Um, so think of all the good things that are happening around the men's game, really, in terms of the level of information that people have, and then trying to ensure that we it's reflected the same for the for the women's game. Um, please sign up. It's it's as Dave said, it's not about like suddenly you'll be a committee member or anything like that. We just want to be able to you know get um 
surveys out to people, opinions to people. If you want to get involved, if you can help us with, you know, translation work or you can help us with website work, anything like that, that would be wonderful to know as well. But really, it's just we want to we want to build a, a, a body of information and a body of knowledge and a body of people and kind of integrate all that together. Yeah, absolutely. Like the one thing you've said there that really struck a chord with me is, is is traveling away. I think so many people I saw when the the draw was made on Friday, like that would be a great away trip. And then, you know, so many people saying, when do the tickets come out? How do we know about this? Well, we're not sure. And that's not anyone's <laughs> fault per se. You know, like like you said, we're not criticizing anyone here. This is this is just an aim to bring together groups of people. And, you know, if you want to go away, you want to know where you're going to get your ticket. And like, let's see if we can figure out a long term way to to kind of produce that information to you if you want to you know they obviously had uh, did a great job the FAW of getting flags and stuff up for, for, for some of the women's games recently can we get a Wales Women Fan Trust flag can we um, you know can we get more people involved doing that can we have meetups before games you know can we have an area at the ground that we always sit in you know do, is that, do people want to sit with their kids or sit with their mates like anything really that will encourage people to go to these games um, and I just want to like I'm not going to rattle on don't worry but I think there's some important stuff like getting a big number of members ahead of the qualifying game starting I think is really important not because like Ruth said we don't need you or want you to do anything unless you want to do it we just want your opinion and I think having a big number of people before the qualifiers would be great we want to appoint a patron someone who can help us open doors um, and if you've got any ideas please get in touch with us at Trust Wales on Twitter to, to tell us who you think might be a good patron and supporter for us to kind of get us into get us into rooms and in touch with people that we'd not be able to get in with on our own and like I said come up with ideas which will improve the visibility of of women's football and that comes from having conversations with people through the FAW or the BBC and as I said it's all about uh, other people's opinions we want your views we want your ideas so please 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 get involved if you think it something you might be interested in anything from telling us what you think you know people are already saying can we all have more games in Wrexham please like that's the sort of stuff that we want to take to the FAW and equally if you just want to have more information about the women's game that's great too come and come and join us let us know what you think and please get involved so just one last plug and just say at uh, trust wales is our twitter handle and waleswomenfantrust.wordpress.com is the website so please go and have a look sign up get involved read the stuff we've written so far and, and let us know what you think um to go back to some football ruth um I think we promised a couple of weeks ago that we were going to do a club roundup, and we didn't. So I think we should probably do that right now. Um, we'll start with Cardiff City. Uh, I would say that Harry Wilson will be fairly happy with his day's work on uh, <laughs> on the weekend. That was a rather nice hat trick, wasn't it? Decent, um, yeah, decent. A, dec- a decent hat trick, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it. They're still running a little hot and cold, you know, on form, off form. But um, at least, at least they're on the front foot at the end at the end of the of the season. I think it might have been quite easy for them to have become a little sort of passively mid table, um, and they haven't. In fairness, they're still trying to push on and and, and play some football. Um, so that, yeah, it was it was just nice to see him in that sort of form. Um, it's going to be interesting with so many of our squad being championship players that 
you know they've got one more game and then and the season's done for a lot of them so uh, I think there's some interesting stuff around how we can keep those people in form and uh and fit and I'm, sh- I'm sure they're you know more than thinking about it at the minute but uh, quite how we how we timeline that when we've got such a a var- variation of when people's seasons are finishing I think is actually going to be quite interesting to navigate I think a big part of that is there's a lot of those players I just think need a rest like Kiefer Moore yeah. needs a rest Harry Wilson yes. has been a bit in and out throughout the season so he's probably all right but definitely I mean there's nothing wrong with him having a couple of weeks you know, doing some gentle jogs rather than, uh, <laughs> you know, having people chase him and trying to kick lumps out of him. But, I mean, what a what a ridiculous hat-trick. The first goal with the keeper, like, kind of off his line, that finish is disgusting. I could try that. I mean, I'm obviously rubbish, but I could try that a million times and I'd never do that. Um, and the third one, the angle and the whip that is on that free kick I mean the second one's very clever finish if you haven't seen it but the angle and the whip on that third free kick like oh my god it's absolutely outrageous um I mean a strong end to Cardiff uh to the season relatively speaking they're up to eighth now obviously can't qualify for the playoffs but um a, a decent a decent few weeks for them I'd say form wise haven't lost for for five I think now so you know a decent a strong end to the season which looked like it could have kind of faded off um so i think that's definitely promising for them in terms of looking ahead to next season as well agreed i think they well when you think the upheavals when mccarthy took over where they were you know a seventh eighth ninth position is is a great turnaround from there it ends up feeling a little frustrating because you just miss out on the playoffs don't you but actually in from the from and to of what of what their season's been, it's got to be think, thought of as a positive. Um, before we move on to Swansea, just quick mention of another man who got a hat trick this weekend. Um, <laughs> another, an, another quiet day for uh, Sir Gareth Bale, who's. I mean, you talk about three good finishes. The first one, the little flick, is mm-hmm. again is delicious. The second one, like. I know it's a one-on-one, and like, and, and like people say that in that situation, you've got a lot of time to think about it, all the other stuff. Oh my God! Like he has absolutely rifled that in, um, and the third one is just—I, I, you know—I'm not disparaging anyone. It's not great goalkeeping, but he's hit that first time. He's caught the goalkeeper out. What, what a lovely finish! Really, really good hat trick, and I, you know. Just goes to show that maybe Jose doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. And, uh, you know, Gareth is nicely warming himself up ahead of the Euros. Talking about warming up, I thought the particularly pleasing thing, I think it was the, it was the second goal where Son feeds him through, isn't yeah. it? And um, the speed that he is running and the ground he is covering, that was just like, OK, it's not the pace he had eight years ago. But it's more than enough. And oh, I think yeah. the fact that he's was willing just to kind of open up the engines at that point and go for it, that was particularly pleasing because I know we're all nervous about his, his fitness. Um, and so I think the more comfortable he is with pushing himself, then the, then obviously the better that looks for us going forward. Oh, 100%. Because I, I would describe that as rapid. I, you know, I'm not exactly a speed <laughs> demon myself, but uh, I don't think I could have caught up with him. I couldn't, don't think I could have caught up with him if I was on a bike. So uh, I think that he was he was more than fast enough there. Um, yeah, so to move on and look at Swansea, 
who themselves have obviously had a had a pretty solid end to the season. I think it's worth mentioning Freddie Woodman um, is in an unassailable position now in terms of the Golden Gloves uh, award in the championship for most clean sheets. So I think that's worth saying. I think that has been the kind of the bedrock a lot of what Swansea did. I mean, especially earlier in the season, but um, his performances and, and what he's produced have been key for them as they've obviously now got themselves into the playoffs. The fourth in the championship um, with one game to go, obviously they got Watford next Saturday, which I'm, you know, I, know I, I would imagine everyone's going to be resting everyone there. I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone's going all out in that game, are they? But it'll be an interesting one to see. Obviously, uh, Swansea got a, a late winner on the weekend uh, against Derby, so yeah, an, an interesting, an interesting couple of weeks ahead. Funny game against Derby. It was. A strangely dull game, given they both had things to play for, Derby in particular. I mean, Swansea are just playing for like where they finish within the four uh, playoff teams, obviously. But, you know, Derby definitely needed the points. And, and in fairness, Derby came out better at the start of the game. But it was a, it was a, a strangely dull. You'd have thought you were looking at two teams that were mid-table, just kind of playing out the fixtures a little bit. Um Connor Roberts had a very nice talk about nice goals. He had a very nice goal yeah, in that game finish. as well. Um, I mean, I think all that all that's on the cards now really is whether is whether they they're going to end up with a a home the, the the tie that gives you a home game as the second tie in the playoffs, which is a notional advantage, I think. Um, but it's somewhat notional um, in in those games. But I think particularly without a crowd in, um, it might not be the the determining factor that it that it might be under different uh, different circumstances. Looks like they'll probably end up playing Bournemouth. Yeah, I, was um, I say. think really all that's to be decided is who has the home game first and second. Really, I mean they've got they are three points clearer of them, but Bournemouth have got a much better goal advantage, a uh, goal difference. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I think they've got ten better than Barnsley can catch them on points, but have a much worse goal difference. So, um, yeah, they will be playing Bournemouth. I'm pretty sure of that one way or the other. Um, yeah. Obviously, as I said, Swansea have, have Watford on the last day of the season, um, whereas uh, Bournemouth, he says, padding furiously. Whilst trying to Stoke. find the place, they're trying. Yeah, they are. They're playing Wales, uh, Wales club. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they you know they're a team who have nothing to play for. So it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting one to kind of end the season. But yeah, they'll be playing, they'll be playing what um, Bournemouth one way or the other. So. Uh, be interested to see how Di Brooks gets on in those games as well. Um, anything else you want to add about Swansea, Ruth? Just, um, it's a, it's been interesting observing the take that people have about how Steve Cooper's been doing. I mean, I think all in all, to get them through to another playoff, I mean, I'm not, it's really difficult to, I think it's really difficult to be critical, but I can understand how the the Swansea fans, who are that much more embedded in the kind of the DNA of the club, how it still doesn't quite feel like Swansea to them. And I I think that's just an interesting um, tug of war, kind of of what uh, what the fans are looking for versus a sort of the pragmatism that 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 is a reality of of being a, a football team in the championship. Yeah, I think what's difficult there, in my view, is I think that Steve Cooper is getting a bit of the brunt of it. When in actual fact, I think he's 
he's managing that team with his with one arm behind his back a little bit, and I think mm-hmm. that is ultimately what the problem is. I'm sure if you ask Steve Cooper, he would want to play this kind of the the Swansea way in inverted commas, but I think he's he's limited because of what he's got, because of what he's allowed to be able to bring in and spend money on, and you know. I think I think anyone who has who doesn't want Steve Cooper to stay, I, I, I do think, you know, might they might want reminding of things in the Premier League years where they completely lost their identity. Uh, you know, trying to chase in to chasing staying up uh, in the Premier League, and I, and I feel like maybe you know, be careful what you wish for there. I don't know who else comes in if 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 Clark, if, uh, if Cooper goes. So, you know, I, and also I mean, you think of the the players they've lost over the year. To injury or being sold mm-hmm. have not been replaced have not had that money to reinvest he's kind of begged borrow and stolen on the loan market and done a fantastic job of that um bringing people like Connor Hurahane in and you know they've been a little bit lucky as well you know Ayu I- has kind of drifted in and out but scored goals at key times Jamal Lowe you could even argue has done a similar thing as has been anything but consistent but has, has done things when he's needed to but that's that's I think what gets that's what gets you into the playoffs, and I think Steve Cooper should, you know, should be lauded for what he's done. I think he's done an absolutely fantastic job. Agreed. Agreed. Um, to look at my favourite uh, of the Welsh teams, Newport <laughs> County. Um, interesting. They beat Cheltenham top of the top of the league. Cheltenham on the weekend takes them into fifth place, which, barring something miraculous happening which is not off the cards uh, knowing Newport <laughs> County but barring something miraculous guarantees them a spot in the playoffs it looks like it's going to be um, themselves Tranmere Forest Green and then it's going to be a toss up between Exeter or Forest Green or maybe Morecambe will get into the into the automatics and Bolton will drop down but uh, I think I think they're pretty secure I think they need to basically equal or better Exeter's result on the weekend if Swansea lose and Exeter no, lose. Not Swansea. Um, oh God! If Newport lose and Exeter lose, uh, and Exeter win, sorry, Exeter would go above them on goal difference. But then, obviously, you're reliant on Tranmere and Forest Green's results, and then and then I can't be bothered to go down the the rabbit hole. But um, I, I think Swansea. Oh my God! I think Newport. <laughs> it's late. This isn't it. Um, I think Newport have done well to recover after what was an iffy spell in the middle of the season beating the top of the table side uh who are going for a championship is is no mean feat and i think you know they have done a very good job to turn that around and i've got absolutely everything crossed for newport going into the playoffs yeah it was a another clean sheet which is obviously encouraging at any time of the season but particularly at this time this time of the season i think the fact that that game is against south end who have already been relegated um, whether Southend will just not care or whether they'll come out with um, relaxed and be better for it, I don't know. But I, I think it's probably still a better scenario for County than having uh, playing Southend United. You had something on the table. Um, so I think that's it's about as good a... Uh, uh, a, a good and away game as you could have at this point to, to close out the season and obviously good luck to them yeah I mean I, I think the one thing that has gone under the radar a lot is their their defensive record has just been outstanding in the last eight games I've only conceded two goals in the last eight games um, so you know a really really fantastic achievement so they've 
yeah, it's got a lot of promise. I've got, I've, I've got everything crossed uh, for Newport on that. So good luck uh, against Southend on the last day of the season. And then obviously good luck in the playoffs. Um, to look at Wrexham, I like. I know we talk about this, and we've talked about it less this season, but this playoff situation <laughs> is so close. <laughs> It's so tense. There's so many things that could happen. And then, of course, it's this weird thing where the playoffs go down to seventh. Um, so at the minute, they are two points above um, that that kind of zone. But because of the, the layoffs in the middle of the season, there's still quite a lot of games left to go in the uh, in the in the conference, uh, the, the National League. Sorry, I think five games left to go this season. So... It's still very much up in the air for Wrexham, but I do feel like they've kind of turned a corner a little bit in a way, and they are kind of grinding results out when they need to. From what I saw of um, the game at the weekend against Solihull Moors, there was there was a bit more kind of directness to their play. There was a bit more pressing, a bit more harrying from Wrexham, which uh, I think is an improvement. So the, the energy levels and the and the the tempo just just seemed better in that game. I mean, they were hanging on by the end. Um, you know, with being 2-1 up, it was that typical kind of, you know, the other teams throw everything yeah. at the goal and you're hanging on. It was a very typical game in that respect. Um, very strange game in that all three goals were penalties. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was weird in itself. And I thought Luke Young did very well to, you know, take two penalties, must have been within five six minutes of it of each other yeah uh, but yeah overall i thought they looked like a team with a little bit of momentum which ultimately might be the key thing going into any playoffs yeah i mean you look they've they've drawn two two with maidenhead tonight we're recording this on monday night so um they were two nil down come back to two two i think that's a game that perhaps they would have lost um a, a couple of weeks ago so like you say the momentum is with them they've got a lot of you know the never say die kind of spirit I think which is which is key I, I still don't think Dean Keats is the man for them to, to go forward but you never know if he gets them up this season I suppose you can't you can't not give him the like let, leave him in the job so it's uh, yeah it's, it's going to be an interesting one what happens in the off season with them obviously with their with their new ownership so I think yeah it's going to be an interesting one I'm I'm loath to make predictions at this point, with so I'll spare us. I'll spare us that for this week. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting end to the season for them with five games to go. So good luck to Wrexham. Um, ultimately, Ruth, there is not a lot else that we were going to discuss today, um, unless you wanted to go down the Liverpool Manchester United postponed game route. Uh, I'd, I I would be intrigued to know your opinion on this, but. Um, if if, uh, if there's something else you want to add first, then I'm more than happy to do that. No, that's okay. Let's let's cut to that one. Um, well, it's interesting times, isn't it? I think it's. Um, I don't think we've over the years we've been doing the podcast. I'm not sure we've had a few weeks where there's been such a diversity of things to talk about that are umbrellaed under football as we've had over the last few weeks. Um, I mean, fundamentally, I am wholly and absolutely in favour of people protesting. Um, I think anybody has a right to peacefully protest about things where they feel they have a, a uh, they want to take a stand about something. When things get violent, 
that's a that's a different scenario and in fairness it looks like the vast vast majority of people that were protesting yesterday did it appropriately and unfortunately there's a few that fall into the inappropriate aggressive yeah um, and I think we need to look collectively at a fan base at how we can try and ensure that what we're doing is done in the right way um, and I think looking at you know looking at the next protest because there will be the next protest um, I'm sure grounds and clubs will be more prepared and I think there's some genuine questions to, to man you given there was a protest the Saturday before given that they had people entering the training ground at Carrington how they got to a position where people could get into Old Trafford on Saturday I think there's some very serious questions needs throwing at man you in that regard um I do think the Glazers are an interesting situation because the they have approached their purchase and running of Manchester United, particularly the purchase of, is a very different case than, say, what happened at Man City. And I, but I can't see things changing, Dave, in that the whole kind of mechanism around who's an owner of a club. I can't see that changing without changing at government level. I can't, I can't see it being something that the leagues will go down, that the owners will go down. I think if there's going to be the fundamental change that those Manu supporters were looking for, it's going to have to be at a legislative level. I mean, that's that's very true. I, I, I agree with you there. And the government, uh, well, I'm not sure whether it's the government, there's been a big release of a statement today through the FAW and, and the government, I think, have been part of that. Uh, not the FAW, sorry, the FA. And they've been talking about, you know, changing in, in ownership models and how things are done and legislature around that. So I think that is part of those conversations, how you get a group of people like this who are, you know, who they say, have t- you know, have taken a billion pounds out of Man United. How are you going to convince these people they've made a billion pounds that they want to sign a bit of paper that says if someone else is not happy with how they're running their club, then you can jog on. I I, I just don't... I, it's, I mean, I've talked... I've uh, We've talked about this before. I've said it before. That's what I think should happen. Um, I don't know how you can force that through. I'm not sure that's feasible. I, I just don't know. I think... I, I, I echo your sentiments to an extent about the violence and whatever. I don't think there was much violence from, from what I saw. Um, there were a few idiots. But I, from what I understand, the investigation about how they got in is, is centred more around the fact that it appears that, or allegedly, it appeared that some of the stewards or the people, kind of the security people, were basically let them into the ground. Um, so they've not kind of broken in. They were allowed in. And I'm, I'm also told that Liverpool fans were very, very close to kind of joining them. They were close to doing a joint march and joint protest on this. So I wonder if when the game is postponed, um, is rescheduled, sorry, after it's been postponed, whether that's something that might come up again. Because, um, I mean, what a, what a fantastically powerful statement that would be for British football to have these two clubs who fundamentally hate each other, are massive historic rivals in, in, in British football, kind of their fans coming together to protest against the same 
you know, negative uh, and 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 I was going to say evil is is probably too strong a word, but like the the the, the issues around the game come and get it together to kind of protest against that. I think that would be so powerful, and I think if all of those clubs could get together somehow and kind of protest with their fans, I, I think that would be so powerful. I, I think the one thing that gets lost in all of this is this is not a new thing. And I think it would be fundamentally wrong for people to say this was bad because some people went on the pitch. I have no problem with these people going on the pitch, especially if it is as it appears that they were allowed in. I have no mm-hmm. problem doing that. If they were setting off the flare, I, you know, it's not the best idea I've ever seen, but it's certainly not the worst. From what I understand, someone threw a beer bottle up into the Sky Sports area. Um, you know, a policeman, I think, had a cut eye from kind of trying to trying to set people back. It's not good, but I think if we, if we, if we focus on that, we're fully and wholly missing the point, which is that Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Newcastle, Liverpool, Wrexham, whoever you want... Your football club is not just a football club. And I think people need to understand that who aren't football fans. This is not, my team aren't winning, I'm having a tantrum about it. My team aren't, and I don't want my team to be in this competition, I'm having a tantrum about it. People need to understand this is so much bigger than your football team. It's so much bigger than that. It's about the thing that that represents to your community. It's about the thing that your club does for the community. It's about like it's, there's a social history behind football. I mean, I don't want to go too deep here, but this is much, much, much bigger than football. And if anyone thinks this is just people getting annoyed about their football team, they're, they're totally missing the point. And I would urge anyone who thinks that to go and find more stuff up about it. And I'm sure loads of people who listen to this don't need that. And I'm not trying to patronise anyone, but I think it's so, it's so important that people get this thing out of their mind that this is angry blokes or women, being annoyed about a football club. It's so much more than that. And I really think that's the one thing that I think needs to be taken away from this, is that we're at a pivotal point, I think, in football history, especially in the UK, if this is how you know people are reacting to things. And I think it's, the last thing I'll say is, I think it's fundamentally wrong. Gary Neville said this, and I totally agree. Football in the UK fundamentally comes down to the power and control of probably about eight people that is outrageous like the six owners of these so-called big six richard masters at the premier league and the and the, and the people who work around it, the, these people are the decision makers that is so wrong something needs to change and like i've said a, a hundred times whether it's here or in real life that the there needs to be some way that some people can intervene and it's not just one person making a decision or one person making a change it's something changing for the, in the for the benefit of football and football fans and what that means to people's cities or towns or communities or whatever so that these assets which is exactly what they are, are protected in in the in the long term and i think as i say that is so so important that we we change from this position where there's a small number of people who are responsible for everything else in British football like that that is so important that that changes and hopefully this and these protests which I fully support are a, a starting point for that sort of thing to happen absolutely I think it's important that the the background of why these protests are happening 
is understood. It's not just about the formation of the ESL. That just happens to have been a tipping point recently. It's it's a long, long, long journey um, that has got fans point where they want to you know that where they're out on the streets and um I was, I was interested to hear what you were saying about their access to old Trafford because i think that that adds to the dynamic as well doesn't it if they were allowed in as opposed to broken um the the visual the power of the visual that you were talking about if united and liverpool are marching on the streets of Trafford together would be incredible, incredibly powerful. Um, I do think there is um, an opportunity here, as you were saying, I think we're at a pivotal point where it's really important that we as fans find ways to share, share the load with each other that, you know, there are, there are people that can, that can, for example, go to Manchester in person. There are people who feel as deeply about that but can't. And I think we've got to make sure that we are integrating, um, integrating the real stakeholders in this. I mean, we, we talk about the owners of clubs as though they are stakeholders in the clubs. And they are financial stakeholders in the clubs, but they're not. They don't have the heart and soul. They're not heart and soul stake, stake owners. And I think that's the difference that people who are not football fans often miss. They miss the fact that this is the centre of people's lives. This is what their week is about. Um, and I, I think the cultural history of football in the UK is so ingrained and so much of who we are that owners who are, are outside of that and don't appreciate that I think there's there's a there's an education that's needed there as well because I don't I, I think you can have an, an owner you look at the difference in Wrexham, for example, you've got notionally a couple of, a, well, I said a couple of Americans, a Canadian and American who've come in and bought a club, yeah. an incredibly historic club. And yet it's clear that they are making an effort to understand the community, to get involved in the community, to become part of the community, to understand the history of Wrexham, to understand its role in Northeast Wales, to understand its role in Welsh football. So I don't think it's I don't think it's a clear cut, like good guys, bad guys. You know, you can have scenarios where someone wants to do this as an owner, but what but wants to ensure that the, the football club remains community centered and front and centered in its in its location and and that and that side of things. And I think there also needs to be some education along the way for the owners of what it actually means to own a football club in the UK. You're not just buying a business, you're buying a community hub. What are the responsibilities of that? What are the expectations? What's the history? What's the, what's the backdrop that you are entering into? 
Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, again, things I've said on here before, that the, the owners and directors test is not fit for purpose. It's, it's, mm. it's, 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 it's assessing whether someone is financially viable or not. It doesn't assess morals or what is a good idea or a bad idea. or like, And that, that should be a fundamental part of it. I don't know how you do that. I don't, I, it's not an easy process. I'm not for one moment suggesting it is, but it's something that should happen. And I think my last point on this is I think... Again, just to go back to it, I think people need to understand what this is a consequence of. And I think people saying it's about football and whatever, I, you know, you and I, for example, if, if, if it wasn't for football, <laughs> would probably have a very different relationship. You know, like you, to all intents and purposes, you are my boss uh, in, in America. Um, and then that all changed, became very different when we started watching Wales games together. You know, it it was different and it is and that is almost solely because of football I, I've met some fantastic people just through coaching football you know Sully Sports Sully Colts and, and playing playing at that level that that's not about the game anymore because I don't I don't play and coach there anymore it's about the relationships and the life and, and, and everything that goes around that so football has just been the, the catalyst for those important things in my life my, my uncle I've mentioned before is a big man city fan he has been for years my uncle's travelled all over Europe. He's been to some amazing places. He's met some amazing people. You know, some of his mates who he goes to the match with, apart from being some of the strangest human beings I've ever come across, are a great, weird mix of people. My uncle's an ex-copper. He's, he's you know, really close mates with a fella who's, um, you know, a karate expert. He's And one another one of the groups is, you know, is a high-flying CEO of a, of a multi million pound corporation all of those things you would never put them together they they come together on a saturday afternoon and get pissed and watch man city you know it's it's not about the football anymore then is it it's about your friendships and the life and, and, and things and that's just that's just talking about it on a fundamental level and i could do this all day and i'm sure everyone could but that's just you know the base level before you look at the community and the impact that football clubs have in so many different aspects of life and i think as I say, if people just think they're just bloody thugs, bloody football hooligans kicking off again, if you think that, you're the problem. I'm sorry to say, because you, you you don't get it either. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the, the main thing I wanted to say, I guess, is that this is... People need to realise this is more than just football. I think it, people probably outside of this podcast and whatever don't realize the impact that football has on their lives beyond the 90 minutes on a Saturday. Like, I think I've often said this before about Newcastle matches is... The, the 90 minutes on a Saturday is, is probably my one of my least favourite things about being a Newcastle fan <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, you know, uh, uh, this Saturday being a good, Sunday being a good example of that. But, you know, I, I think that that's the sort of thing that gets lost in all of this and the people that I've met through football and you've met through football and we've all met through football. I think that is just, again, just another layer of it which which often gets forgotten and I think it people need to remember that this is about friendships and communities and real life not just about some rich americans trying to make a few quid which is ultimately what is coming down to at the moment which is where the problem lies i guess yeah yeah it's a it's a cultural clash isn't it it's it's one group of people that have a cultural connection with something and another group of people that just have a financial connection and unfortunately the fundamentally the wrong group in that seesaw has far 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 too much power yes and i think that is the perfect way for us to finish today's podcast um thank you very much for listening everybody thank you for your time ruth 
you're welcome. We've uh, yeah been catching up a lot today, a lot of different topics. I know we really have gone through a lot with the full ringer today. I was almost in tears by the end there. Um, so uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, again, I just want to remind everyone of our survey that we've got up for the Euros. If you go to our colemanhadadream.com website and have a look there, um, please tell us what you are interested in for the Euros. Um, we have. A uh, new Game Allard magazine coming up soon, um, so keep your eyes and your ears out for that in the in the build up to the friendlies that will be they'll be out soon. And I don't can't think of anything else that I wanted to plug. Oh yeah, go to at Trust Wales or Wales Women Fan Trust WordPress dot com if you are interested in getting involved in that uh, too. Have I missed anything else, or should I just shut up? No, I think, I think that's enough. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. I've been told, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Ruth. And uh, we'll be in touch again very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.